You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. God with us uh, in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's just, you know, I never, I never tire peering into the wonder of that. I never, I never get tired of the amazement that, that I derive when I just contemplate and think on those three words. The implications of it are, are just innumerable. Uh, God with us. Uh, it is what, to me, separates Christianity from every other religion. It's what separates Jesus from every other man that has ever lived or ever will live, is that God took on flesh uh, and became a human being in the person of Jesus Christ. When we look at Jesus, we are seeing the visible image of the invisible God. And, and that has implications. And there is, there is an invitation for us to just get lost in the wonder of that. And so, again, I just encourage you as we just uh, draw nearer and nearer uh, to Christmas and just take time out of the busyness and just allow yourself to get lost in the wonder, in the amazement, in the beauty, in the depth of just that very, very simple word, Emmanuel, God with us. And that's what we've been kind of really studying, uh, the various names of God. And that obviously is one of the names that God has revealed himself to us by, Emmanuel, God with us. And we've been really kind of focusing on all of the different and various names that God has used to reveal himself to mankind. And uh, we know that each new name that we find, each new revelation, what it is, is it's just revealing, it's just un unveiling more and more of the infinite attributes and nature and the character and just the infinite worth of this God who, again, desires to just be in relationship with us. Again, just another concept that I just don't think we can ever tire of the wonder, the amazement of that invitation to just be in a living relationship with our creator. Uh, Again, just an absolute uh, wonder of all wonders that God would desire us. Um, And so one of the things we find when we're looking at these various names, it's how God desires, how he intends to want to interact with us in that relationship that he is calling and inviting us uh, to. This morning, I want to look at the name El Shaddai. And it is uh, translated in your Bibles as God Almighty. Sometimes you'll just find it as the word uh, Almighty. And again, we talk about that name El. Uh, It is, uh, again, a a name in the Hebrew. And it really kind of points to, it really kind of highlights the power uh, of God. And it's where we get that name Elohim. The first two letters you'll see there. uh, And we find that in Genesis 1.1. Right at the very beginning, God is revealing something about himself to us. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. And just in that name and by virtue of what God is doing in those six days of creation. He is telling us something about that name Elohim. I am the all-powerful creator. And so again, we find in these names, again, God is teaching us something. That word Shaddai uh, in the Hebrew, it is uh, 
translated as fields, uh, kind of like abundance, maybe uh, farming. Uh, you Again, you see as they go out and they plant in the fields and it brings forth a harvest. It brings forth an abundance. That's kind of uh, derived and found in that name, Shaddai. It also uh, is translated as the word breast, or, or more accurately, the many-breasted one. And again, it implies is that it is, he is the God, he is Shaddai, who satisfies, who nourishes, who supplies, who satisfies the many in abundance. It's the, it's, so it, it is God who is uh, supreme in power. It is God as Shaddai who abundantly blesses, okay, with all manner of blessing above and beyond all that you can think or imagine. That is in that name, El Shaddai. It is the name of God that says that he is more than enough. He is the all-sufficient one. So when you encounter that name, El Shaddai, in the scriptures, it is God saying, I am enough. I am El Shaddai, the many-breasted one. I can meet, I can satisfy, I can nourish you above and beyond your wildest dreams, beyond your greatest imagination. So no matter what your need is, he said, I am El Shaddai in every circumstance, in every situation, in every need of your life. Now again, it's always important to go back and to see where does God first reveal this name. Because again, it's not just God throwing names out disconnected. He's using a circumstance, a situation, and, and, and through that situation or circumstance, it becomes the perfect opportunity. For God to say, I'm going to reveal myself in this situation by a new name because the name really has a lot to say with what's going on um, in the, the situation and the circumstance. Now, I'm going to be honest with you on this one. I struggled with this one. Matter of fact, I'm, I felt like God told me to preach on this and I'm writing this week. I had no idea where we were going with this. I just sat down, I just started writing, um, and I'm kind of, you know, going through the scriptures, I'm going through very, very slowly, I'm trying to read these as if I've never read them before, because sometimes your biases, you know, or just what you think you've understood all the time, that really kind of can really begin to creep into the story, and you're really not reading it with fresh eyes. So I'm trying to read this with fresh eyes, I'm going through this, I'm going through it slowly, I'm asking God lots of questions, because I just kind of kept, I, I'm just not getting this. I'm, I'm not getting the connection here fully. I mean, I think I understand some things, but there's, I got more questions about this than I've got answers. So I just kind of just kept plowing through it, kept plowing through it. And so finally, I mean, it's like, I think, was it Wednesday afternoon? I finally got this just like, whoa, moment with God. And I, I was kind of taken back by it. So I went and sat down with Pastor Mark and I said, am I crazy? Is this crazy what I feel like God is showing me? So I want to just tell you, I'm going to invite you into this this morning. And the reason I kind of set it up this way is because um, if I struggle to understand the story, I want you to understand the story. But I want you to also kind of have to struggle and do a little digging today yourself. I want you to have to, I don't want to do all the, I shouldn't have to do all the heavy lifting. Is what I'm saying, you know? 
I'm inviting you. Because the Bible says, you know what, when you knock, you keep on knocking. Uh, you know, you ask, you keep on asking. Seek, you keep on seeking. Uh, there's, there's work in that. Uh, and, and sometimes, again, we don't want to do the heavy lifting. We want somebody else to do it. So this morning, I'm just going to invite you into this uh, to say again, try to hear this story with fresh ears this morning. And, and, and it's okay uh, to ask questions. It's okay to wonder, you know, God, why did you do it this way and not that way? And, because that really was kind of my week with God this week. I'm just not getting this. So anyway, first place that this appears is in Genesis 17. And it says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared. Now, again, that word is Yahweh. Uh, it's big capital letters, L-O-R-D. That's Yahweh. We've talked about that name. He appeared to Abram and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. First time that this appears. He says, serve me faithfully, live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. So there we see this first appearance, this first revelation of that name El Shaddai, God Almighty. And it is linked to, as you, if you go back and think about what I said the name means in the Hebrew, again you see it is linked with abundant blessings. As we see there in God's promise to Abram, you're going to have countless descendants and so God is coveting with Abram, I'm going to bring this to pass. Then verse 3 kind of gives us Abram's reaction to God's revelation of him as El Shaddai, God Almighty. And it says, at this, Abram fell on his face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. Again, not just one nation, nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It'll no longer be Abram. We talked about that. That name in the Hebrew means father of heights. He says, I am going to now call you Abraham. And that name means the father of a multitude or the father of many nations. And he said, I will make you extremely Fruitful. There again is that concept, El Shaddai, abundance. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. So again, you see that link there with the name El Shaddai, the promise of, of Abram being extremely fruitful, uh, just abundantly blessed. Again, this is the idea there. This is the concept that is being given there in the context is that El Shaddai, God Almighty, he has the power to be able to produce and to abound us with great blessings. And in Abraham's case, we see this with the uh, multiple or, or the, the endless generations. Now, I want to rewind Abraham's story a bit because, again, there's just some very, very interesting aspects that really leads up to this whole revelation of God as El Shaddai. And this is not the first time that Abram receives this promise regarding God's fruitfulness in, in, in his generations. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, you find there's this call to Abram. 
who is in Ur of Chaldees with his father, his family, and he gets this call of God. And it says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And then, and then here he kind of gives this first time we hear of this promise, this covenant that God is making with him. He said, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless those who bless you, curse you, those that treat you with contempt. And all families on earth will be blessed through you. So there you have this beginning of what God has in store for Abram. God is going to make Abram into this great nation. But what's interesting, God gives him no details regarding specifically how he's going to do that or what that will all entail. So at this point, Abram is without child, no direct descendants. So Abram does what we all should do when God tells us to do something. He leaves his native country, his relatives, his father's family, and he just goes. He has no idea where he's going. He just knows he's going to follow God. So Abram goes forth in obedience. He has some extraordinary encounters along the way. One of those being with the Pharaoh of Egypt, where he tries to pass his wife, Sari, off as his sister, there you kind of see this encounter between Abram and his nephew Lot. They both amass great wealth, a lot of livestock. As a result, they kind of have to separate and go in different directions for different pasture and land for their livestock. Lot settles near Sodom and Gomorrah. Then in Genesis 13, beginning in verse 14, it says, After Lot had gone, after he had taken his livestock and gone his way, the Lord, Yahweh, said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I am giving all of this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants. Now again, he has no descendants at this point. And he says, I'm giving this all to you as a permanent possession. I will give you so many descendants. He says, like the dust of the earth or the, the grains of sand. They cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction for I'm giving it to you. So again, here's Abram. No children, no descendants at this point in his life. And he is receiving this promise of numerous descendants. And there's no specifics, no details how God is going to do this, how this is going to be brought to pass. So more time passes, more interesting encounters for Abram as he just, again, continues walking in obedience to the Lord. He's holding on to the promises that God has given him. Then in Genesis 15, verse 2, Abram finally asks God, O sovereign Lord, what good are all of your blessings when I don't even have a son? Good question. Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, he will be the one to inherit all of my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then Yahweh said back to the Lord, or to him, said, no, your servant will not be your heir and this is the first time God offers up some specifics here. You will have a son for your very own who will be your heir. Then 
Yahweh took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can, which he couldn't. That's how many descendants you're going to have. And it says, Abram believed Yahweh and Yahweh counted him as righteous because of his faith. So again, here the Lord gets really specific, a little more specific with Abram. He said, not only are you going to have descendants that are going to be numerous, that are going to be more than the dust of the earth, more than the stars in the sky. He said, those descendants are going to start and it is going to come forth from the son you are going to have. Now, I don't know how much time passes between the events of Genesis 15 to chapter 16, but at the beginning of Genesis 16, Abraham's wife, Sari, and up to this point, she has been without child as well. She's not been able to conceive a child. She comes up with a plan to give Abram an offspring using her Egyptian servant, Hagar, as the means to produce this offspring for Abram, this fulfilling of God's promise of a son to him. Now, why Sarah at this point is not able to conceive, we don't know. We know that God has the power to open the womb. He has the power to close the womb. At this point, Sarah's womb is closed. God has the power to open it, as we're going to see here in a few moments. But at this point, he chooses not to. Why? I don't know. Good question. It stands to reason that if God's plan is for Abram to have a son, would, in, would enable Sari to conceive, but it isn't happening. So Abram agrees to go along with Sari's plan, takes Hagar as a secondary wife. She conceives. Nine months later, um, a son named Ishmael is born. Now, at the end of chapter 16, it tells us Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Then chapter 17, this is the very, very last verse in 16, very first verse in chapter 17 starts off by saying, when Abram was 99 years old, Yahweh appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. So everything I've given you is just kind of trying to get you kind of into the storyline here because this is what I couldn't figure out. Why here why now? What, what are you saying, God, when you wait until this moment to reveal yourself as El Shaddai? So between the end of chapter 16, when Ishmael is born, and the beginning of chapter 17, 13 years has gone by. You type A's, you can check my math, I'll give you a second. Ishmael's, Ishmael's a teenager. Now, what is the implication? Just stop and think about this. Try to just set aside everything you know or think you know or understand about the story and just ask yourself this question, what is the implication at this point in the story? 13 years has gone by between the time Ishmael was born and El Shaddai appears. What's the implication? To me, the implication is Ishmael is that promised child. 
He is the son God promised to Abram. He is the heir of Abraham's wealth and God's promises. And everybody lives happily ever after, right? That's what you would be thinking at this point in the story. I mean, it's been 13 years. Nothing more has been said. Nothing more has been done. I'm good with this. I got my son. Uh, we're, we're living life the way we think it ought to be going. So as you read on in chapter 17, you see Yahweh appears to Abram, and he again just gives this new revelation. I'm El Shaddai. I'm God Almighty. And then he reaffirms this covenant with Abram to have countless descendants. But this time, God does something he's not ever done before um, in this situation with Abram. With the revelation of El Shaddai, God tells Abram, he said, I'm going to change your name. It's no longer going to be Abram, father of heights. You are now going to be Abraham, father of a multitude of nations. This is where, again, God adds the statement in verse 6, which I alluded to earlier. He kind of links that, and he says, I will make you extremely fruitful. Because that's what El Shaddai does. El Shaddai is the God of abundance. He's the God of more than enough. And so he adds this phrase here, I'm going to make you extremely fruitful. Again, the name Shaddai refers to the God who abundantly blesses. So after God changes Abraham or Abram to Abraham, he reaffirms everything that was promised to him clear back in Genesis 12. I mean, the reason I kind of took and, and, and read you through all of the encounters between God and Yahweh is because God just kind of reaffirms, he reiterates, he, he kind of repeats himself as to what the covenant between he and Abram are, is going to be. But he really doesn't offer a lot of specifics. So after he changes his name, he introduces to Abraham the mark of covenant, which was circumcision. Now again, at this point in the story, before you read it, what is the implication? The implication for me so far is Ishmael is a promised son God spoke to clear back in Genesis 15 when God said, you're going to have a son. Again, the implication, it's Ishmael. He's the one. So at this point in, in the story, because again, he includes Ishmael in the, in the mark of covenant of circumcision. And I'll show you that in just a second. So in Genesis 17, beginning in verse 15, then God said to Abraham, and this is the first time. I'm thinking this information I'm about to share with you would have been good to know back in chapter 15. It would have saved them, if you're looking at this in the traditional way, it would have saved them a lot of headache. But God does something in here at that revelation of El Shaddai. He says, now, let's get to, let's get to Sari, your wife. I'm going to change her name too. It's not going to be Sari. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly. She will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. I'm telling you, I'm reading this for the first time. Thinking, God, this would have been really helpful information clear back in, in maybe Genesis 12, but definitely by Genesis 15. Why did you wait until now to get specific about this. 
This is the first time that, that God's made any, any comment regarding Sarah and descendants coming up from her. Up to this point, she's been unable to conceive. Now keep in mind, all of this is happening 13 years after Ishmael is born. No one sees this coming. Abram, Sari, no one. They think we've already got the covenant, the son of promise. And I say this is a bombshell of an announcement to Abraham. And you can see his reaction to what God has just spoken. Then Abraham bowed down his head and he laughed to himself. Not out loud, did not want God to hear that. But how many of you know God even hears what we do inside? And he just laughed to himself in disbelief. How can I be the father at the age of 100, he thought, and how can Sarah, poor Sarah, have a baby when she's 90 years old? So Abraham says to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. Again, he's 13 years old at this time. And Abraham and Sarah are living under the understanding that Ishmael is the promised son, the son of covenant, because there was nothing else prior to indicate this was anything but. You see the total surprise in Abraham's question, that statement to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. Abraham's probably thinking to himself, we already thought it was him, so why not just go with that? Why does God wait until now to reveal this next part of his plan? Verse 19, in response to Abraham's request, but God replied, nope, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You're going to call him Isaac, son of laughter, because both Abraham and Sarah laughed at this. And that's what the name Isaac means, son of laughter. God has a sense of humor. He says, I will confirm my covenant with you and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. Now, speaking to the son that's going to come, he says, now as for Ishmael, the 13-year-old, I will bless him also just as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful. Just like he said to Abram, I'll make you extremely fruitful. I'm going to make Ishmael extremely fruitful. I'm going to multiply his descendants just as I will Isaac and just as I will for you. But my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. When God had finished speaking, he left Abraham. So again, why does God allow Abram to have a son with Hagar? If he wasn't going to be the son of God's promise. I mean, if you go back and read the scriptures, and I encourage you to do this. If you go back and read, I mean, when, when they go down into Egypt and, and basically kind of pull off this scam that she's not my wife, she's really my sister. And so it kind of signals to Pharaoh, it's okay to take Sari as one of his wives. And when he does that, God intervenes. God speaks to Pharaoh in a dream and basically threatens his life. You touch her, you're dead. And he goes back and he says, why did you do this? Why did you tell me she was your sister when she was really your wife? Here's a bunch of gifts. Now get out of here. I mean, why doesn't God intervene when, when, when they come up with this plan to, to give Hagar as a secondary wife? Why doesn't God just step in and say, no, 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 that's not what I'm doing here. Hold on, wait on me. Why doesn't God just step in? If Ishmael wasn't the promised son of covenant, why does God wait 13 years, leaving everyone to just think, 
to kind of live as if Ishmael is the child of promise. Why does, and, and this is what's also interesting. Why does God bless Ishmael almost identical to Isaac? I mean, go back and read the story, not just for what is there, but for what is not there. I mean, Ishmael gets a bad rap in most theologies. I don't get that when I read the story. Really, honestly, when I went back and really read the story without any of that. At no time does God express his displeasure or disappointment in what Abram and Sari do in involving Hagar in order to produce a child. Again, as a matter of fact, you go back and read it, Ishmael, he's included in the covenant mark of circumcision along with Abraham and all the other men, the servants, children. I mean, why wouldn't this just be a good time to acknowledge, hey, you messed up, you took matters into your own hands, you did something you shouldn't have done, we're not going to include him in the mark of covenant. Genesis 17, verse 26 says, Abraham and Ishmael were both circumcised on the same day. Then look at how God deals with Hagar. I mean, again, we, we make Hagar out to be kind of the villainous in a lot of stories. After Hagar becomes pregnant with Ishmael, Genesis 20, 16 tells us there's this bitterness that rose up, envy, jealousy rose up between Hagar and Sarah so much that at one point, Hagar finally runs away. To get away from Sarah because she was being so cruel. What does God do? It says an angel of the Lord goes to her and tells her, you need to go back, submit to Sarah's authority. And then he promises her that you're going to have more descendants than you can count. And then it says, therefore, get this. This is what's so amazing. Hagar used another name to refer to Yahweh who had spoken to her. And she said, you are the God who sees me, el Rohe." She, she actually kind of has her own little revelation of God. And she uses that name from therefore on to refer in her intimate relationship with God. Hagar said, I have truly seen the one who sees me. So that well, there, she's at a well there. And that well, it meant well of the living one who sees me. And it says it can still be found there between Kadesh and Bered. Now again, does this sound like a God who is angry, disappointed, upset, displeased with Hagar and the things that have unfolded there? No, you get this sense. She had a very blessed she had a very intimate relationship with God. As a matter of fact, after, in Genesis 21, after Isaac is, is born and, and he's being weaned, Abraham and Sarah decide to celebrate Isaac's weaning. And Sarah finds Hagar and Ishmael mocking Isaac. Sarah becomes irritated, angry. She tells Abraham, you take Hagar, her son, you get them out of here. I've had enough. I want him gone. Verse 11 says, this upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. Nothing has changed in regards to Abraham's relationship with Ishmael, even though he now knows Isaac is the son of promise. Verse 12, but God told Abraham, don't be upset over the boy and your servant. Do what your wife tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Are you men amazed that I just went by that statement? Do what your wife tells you to do and had no comment on that. 
He says, but I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son because he is your son too. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food in a container of water, strapped them on Hagar's shoulder. Then he sent her and the son away, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went, she sat down by herself about 100 yards away and said, I don't want to watch this boy die. She said, as she burst into tears. Then God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven, Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the cries of your boy as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him. For Again, I'm not, I'm not angry with you. I want to bless you. I will make a great nation from your descendants. Then what did God do? God opened Hagar's eyes. And she saw a well full of water. She ran quickly, filled her water container, and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. Again, my point being here, God blessed Hagar and Ishmael. God's promise to bless Ishmael with numerous descendants was a reflection of the favor that they had found in God's eyes, even after the birth of Isaac. So let me just make the point in regards to, the, to God's name El Shaddai. Again, when it comes to the name El Shaddai, it refers to the God who not only blesses, but it blesses abundantly. I'm getting ready to spring this on you. This is going to be cool. If you're thinking he's just rambling, I've got a point. Again, it's not only the God who blesses, but blesses above and beyond abundantly. He not only satisfies, nourishes, and supplies our needs as the many-breasted one, he does it abundantly, above and beyond our wildest expectation. El Shaddai, again, is, uh, uh, it translated the fields, again, kind of speaking to an abundance, who is able to meet the needs of the many. That is the name, uh, the meaning behind the name El Shaddai. Now, here's what I think it all means, as it relates to all that I've shared regarding Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, Ishmael, and Isaac. I believe Ishmael was a blessing from God to Abraham. Isaac was the greater blessing. He was the greater portion. He was the double blessing. That's the whole point. That's where God just kind of opened my eyes to where I don't see Ishmael as the problem. He's the blessing. Isaac is the greater blessing because that's what El Shaddai does. God blesses both Isaac and Ishmael. If you go back and look at it, with almost the same identical blessings, wording, except for one thing. Isaac has the greater blessing in that he would be the one through whose Isaac's descendants, that long-awaited Messiah, would come. God's favor is on both of them. Ishmael is a blessing, but with El Shaddai, Isaac is the double portion. Again, it is interesting, and don't lose this. It's interesting that the name El Shaddai, as it first appears at the same time as he kind of begins to bring Sarah into the story as well. Again, we've made Ishmael almost kind of be the curse or the mistake, but again, I just don't see that. I don't get that. In God's response to Hagar or to Ishmael. Abram thinks God has blessed him through Ishmael. And God has. But as El Shaddai, 
The God who not only blesses, but blesses abundantly above and beyond our expectation, doubly blesses Abraham with another son named Isaac. And again, the only difference that I could tell between the two is the Messiah is going to come through the lineage of Isaac. Both Ishmael and Isaac have 12 sons, become great nations. Kings come forth from both, but Isaac has the greater blessing bestowed upon him. And that's why God shows up as El Shaddai in the story where he shows up. Let me just interject this thought and where I think God confirms this idea. Do you know in what book of the Bible the name El Shaddai appears the most? You can't answer this, Mark or Jason. The name El Shaddai appears a total of 48 times in the whole Bible, and 31 of those are in the Old Testament book of Job. That floored me. I'm thinking, okay, there's something here. There's something here that God would would use this story to really reveal this name the most times. Now, why would the name El Shaddai appear that many times in that particular book of the Bible? Not only that, but when you read the Bible in chronological order, and you read the Bible in the order of events as they actually occurred, the book of Job happens right around the same time all of this is beginning to unfold with Abraham right around Genesis chapter 11. That intrigued me. And then the thought occurred to me, what is one of the main takeaways from Job? The end of Job's story, what does he receive back? A double blessing. He gets a double portion of what he had in the beginning. See, most of us, we read Job's story and we kind of focus on all that Job went through and everything that Job lost. But James 5, 11 says regarding Job, for instance, you know the story about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end of the story. The Bible tells us, remember, consider how Job's story ended, not how it began And throughout the story of Job, you find when it comes to the name El Shaddai, God Almighty, what you find is Job is just constantly, continually reaffirming over and over and over, you are El Shaddai, you are God who is more than enough. You are El Shaddai, you are the God who is more than enough. You are El Shaddai, you are the God who can can abundantly bless. You are the God who who satisfies, who nourishes. You just find Job, every time he comes to that name El Shaddai, he's just reaffirming over and over and over, you are the God of more than enough again if you understand the name El Shaddai this is what you would expect to find this is what you should find he's not just the God who blesses he is the God of the abundant the above and beyond blesser the God of double portion interestingly you will find the name El Shaddai in the story of Joseph and Ruth interesting to me This is what I believe Abraham encountered with El Shaddai there in Genesis 17. Just before he surprises Abraham with that announcement that he's going to have another son. Abraham thinks, I'm already blessed. I got my heir. I got my blessing. I got my promise. But God is El Shaddai. The God who blesses above and beyond. 
blesses him with another son, a double portion blessing. Abraham thinks he's blessed. El Shaddai says, you are, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna bless you above and beyond your wildest imagination. And El Shaddai, when you trace this name out in other places of the Bible, this is what you'll discover. Some of you here this morning, you think you're blessed and you are, but El Shaddai wants to bless you above and beyond your wildest expectations. See, we're like Abraham, and maybe we kind of walk and we think, yeah, we are blessed. God has supplied our needs, but El Shaddai says, man, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because I'm not only the God who blesses you, but I bless in abundance, in excess, above and beyond anything you would ever think to uh, ask or imagine. That is the name, El Shaddai. Some of you think you're running over with blessing. El Shaddai would say, oh, I'm just beginning. I'm just starting. You think it's over and done. I, El Shaddai, God Almighty, I'm just, I'm just getting started. You think you're, all you're getting blessed with is an Ishmael. I want to doubly bless you with an Isaac. Oh, we didn't see that one coming. Well, no, because it took the revelation of El Shaddai for you to understand. I'm not just the God who blesses you. I'm the God that wants to bless you above and beyond. Ephesians 3.20 puts it like this. Now to him who is able to do abundantly, exceedingly, above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. El Shaddai, God Almighty, doesn't want to just bless you. He wants to doubly bless you. And he wants to leave you in a place of disbelief. <laughs> Remember Abraham on the ground kind of laughing in disbelief? Some of you are sitting out there today, you're laughing in disbelief. But El Shaddai wants to bless you. He wants to leave you in a place where you're just speechless. Let me close with this. The name El Shaddai, God Almighty, occurs nine times in the New Testament. Eight of those are in the book of Revelations. The only other place in the New Testament where the name El Shaddai, God Almighty, occurs is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. And there it says, for we are the temple of the living God. How many of you know you are a temple that the living God wants to dwell in? As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers. Separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. I will welcome you. I will be your father. You will be my sons and daughters, says El Shaddai, God Almighty. Man, folks, we're not just blessed with Emmanuel, God with us. We are doubly blessed, not only that God is with us, but that he desires to be living in us. And because God is living in us through the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit, that is how we become that temple of the living God. That is a blessing above and beyond Emmanuel. And even though God is with us, even though that is wonderful, it is more blessed, how, how many of you know that? It is more blessed to have God in you than just with you. That is the power that is at work in us, Paul said in Ephesians 3. That is the power, that Holy Spirit that is at work in us. That is El Shaddai, God Almighty, the God who is more than enough, the God of double blessings. Let me just ask you here this morning, how many of you, when you hear this promise of El Shaddai, that God wants to bless you above and beyond, uh, abundantly beyond anything you can think or ask, how many of you this morning would like to just do the opposite of what Abraham did? How about instead of just bowing down in, in disbelief, how about we just rise up in belief and say, you know what, God, if that's, if that's who El Shaddai is, I want, I want that 
El Shaddai working, operating in my life. So if that is you this morning, I just want you just to stand up in response to that this morning. And just again, in our standing, we are acknowledging he is El Shaddai. He is the God who doesn't just want to bless me, but he wants to bless me with a double portion this morning. He doesn't want to just bless me, but he wants to exceed and just give me a double portion blessing this morning. And again, let me just say this. Uh, This is not to make you you know, uh, greedy. It's not just to give it to you. It's to bless you so that some of that flows into your life, that some of that is a blessing for you. But God's intent is, is that as he blesses you, you just take that and you begin to use that to reach out and to touch and to bless other people. This isn't just for you to, to, to contain. It is for you to be a container that God uses to just begin to flow and just again to manifest his blessing not just into your life but into the lives of others that's really what what giving is all about it's giving to others it's it's receiving from god and taking what we've received and just being able to bless and to give that to others every year there's a guy here in our congregation who hands me envelopes and in the envelopes it's just filled I, i never know how much is in there i've never asked him i've never i've never looked But he just puts cash in there and he says, I just want you to pray about this, who to give this to. And so every year I just pray, okay, God, who who are these who are these people? That that's a man who's blessed. He he doesn't just keep the money for himself. He says, I've been blessed and I want to be now a blesser. And he just gives. That's what that's what God wants to do. He wants to bless you so you can be blessed and then be a blesser to others. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for that name, El Shaddai. We thank you that you are the God who blesses us and not just blesses us, but blesses us in abundance as Abraham and Sarah came to discover in their walk, their journey with you. God, this morning we just choose rather than to just bow down in disbelief, God, we want to rise up in faith. Just say thank you. Thank you for that revelation. And Father, we ask, Lord, that you would just apply that revelation to our lives, that you would be our El Shaddai, that you would be the God who, who is more than enough. Father, I pray, Lord, that El Shaddai would now just begin to flow into every circumstance, every situation, God, where there's need. Father, where there is lack this morning, Father, I just ask that El Shaddai would just meet you in that place, that he would overwhelm you with his presence, and God would just begin to speak blessings over you, that those blessings would just begin to flow into your life, and not just to bless you, but that you would begin to be open for how you want to be a blessing to others as well. And so, Father, we just receive that. We thank you for that. And, God, we just ask, Lord, that you would help us to walk in that with all boldness and confidence. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.